Well, good morning. It is so good to see you guys this morning. Huge shout out to those joining us online and those at Heritage Green. We're so excited that you are here to worship with us this beautiful Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. It is just so good to be here with you guys. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Will. I have the honor of serving on the team here at Grace, and uh, and we're just excited that you're here to join us for worship this morning. I read an article this past week about a guy, a D.C. native by the name of Apu, who now lives outside of the Chicago area. And back in 2017, uh, he was on his way to the gym when he started to get more tired than usual. Something felt a little off, and over the next couple weeks it continued until he finally went to the doctor and they, they found that he had an autoimmune disease. And this autoimmune disease was, was attacking his heart, it was affecting his, his liver, his kidneys, and he spent just over four months in the hospital waiting on a triple transplant. Do you know how rare that is? He, in fact, in uh, 2019, became the 20th person in America to receive a triple transplant. And you should have just seen the videos. They, they had some videos of him petting the dog out on the back deck and, and time with his family. And, and there was just a joy and a pep in his step. And he talked about the new life that he had, the second chance at life because of this triple transplant. And it was amazing to hear him talk about what it's been like since then. He spends a lot of his time now trying to uh, convince people to, to be on the organ donor list because it has had such an impact on his life. There are these moments in our lives that we all have that we point back to, that we look at where everything changes. Right? In a moment that may, maybe it was when you were married, Maybe when you had your first kid, you got the dream job, these moments that we point back to that we say, like, at this moment, everything changed. Maybe it wasn't a great moment. Maybe it was a moment that you lost the dream job or a relationship fell apart or the moment you lost a loved one or someone you cared deeply for and you look back and you see how, how this moment changed everything. And it's a marker for years and years and years back to this precise moment that we, we go back to. And a lot of times those memories, they, if they're sweet moments, they remain sweet moments. Others that are bitter remain bitter moments. But every now and then a, a sweet moment after some time becomes a bitter moment. A, a bitter moment after some time becomes a sweet moment. And, and sometimes with time, it changes. Every single week we gather the church together here, we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But this Sunday, today, it's the anniversary where we really remember his resurrection. We remember his resurrection, we remember the new life that we have, we remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, a bitter moment that three days later on this morning became a sweet moment. And it changes everything. Everything is changed because of this one moment. In fact, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 14. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. It all comes back down to this one moment 
when Jesus Christ defeated death and came out of that grave, everything changed. This moment that redefined faith and, and Christianity, that defined our lives, that we go back to this moment where we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, everything changed because of this morning 2,000 years ago when he came back and defeated death once and for all. And because of this new life, because of what happened, Jesus extends to us an invitation. And the invitation that I want us to look at this morning is actually three invitations that were given to the women as they went to the tomb early that Sunday morning. We've been going through the book of Matthew for the last few months, and we've seen Matthew describe Jesus and share with us what he said, what he did, the authority that he has over nature, over demons, and here even over, over death. And Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb to do what was customary and traditional, to, to anoint his body with spices, and, and they wondered who was going to roll away the tomb, but as they approached, there was an earthquake, and an angel came down and rolled the stone away. Imagine yourself in that moment how terrified you'd be. But the angel said to them, Matthew 28, 5 and 6, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. This is the first invitation that we see to the women to come and see the place where, where they were a part of, of the few people who came and put his body. Come and see the, the spot where you laid him, and he's not here anymore. He, his body wasn't just taken from someone else. No, come, come and see the resurrected Savior. Come and see for yourself Jesus, who is alive. This is an invitation we see all throughout Scripture. In, in the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, Jesus calls Philip to, to follow him. And then Philip goes to find Nathanael. John chapter 1, 45 and 46, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. Don't just take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. A few chapters later in John chapter 4, we see Jesus and a woman at the well. And after she realizes who Jesus is, she goes back to town to tell everybody. And she invites them, uh, John 4, 29, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Even the Old Testament invites us to come and see Psalm chapter 66, verse 5. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. Come and see. Come and see. And the invitation is for us today to come and see a resurrected Jesus. So many times we, we come to church and we see me up here. We see the praise team up here. But we are not inviting anybody to come and see us. I know that the way I think, the way I process information is not the same way that some of you, many of you maybe process and, and think and make connections here and there. I know that sometimes I misspeak. I know that I don't have it all figured out, that sometimes I'm wrong. I get that. So I'm not inviting you to come and see me. I'm not inviting you to come and hear what I have to say. We invite you to come see Jesus. 
to step out of the way and let him be the one that you see. We invite you to come and experience a resurrected Savior who's no longer in the tomb. We invite you to come and see Jesus. The angel continues in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 7 says, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So the second invitation to the women is to go and tell the disciples to go quickly and, and tell the disciples that he's not here, that he is resurrected from, from the tomb, that, that now they get to carry this message to come and see and not come and see, and they have all the answers, and they're going to tell them about all these things. But, but imagine yourself in that room with the disciples when the women come in, and they say, he's not there. What do you mean he's not there? We put him there. Where is he? Where is he gone? What does this mean? Right here's the most pivotal moment in history happening. And they have all kinds of questions, and the women don't have any answers at all. The angel didn't sit them down and say, Here are, here's what people's going to ask. Here's how you respond. No, go and tell and invite people to come and see. Go and tell people of a resurrected Savior and invite them to come and see like you have come and saw yourself. Too many times, right, we think, well... I haven't been going to church long enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I don't have a Bible college degree or seminary degree. What if people have questions? But the invitation is extended to us also to go and tell people not about what we know, not to answer questions, but to come and see a resurrected Savior. We see this, I love this story and seeing this play out so beautifully in John chapter 4. Jesus goes to Samaria and he, he sits at a well while his disciples go to find food. And this woman comes up and, and Jesus starts asking her for water. And this is really weird because he's a, a Jewish man asking a Samaritan woman for water. This was just all sorts of cultural weirdness happening in this moment. And while they start talking about physical needs like water, Jesus turns the conversation to theology. She perceives he's a prophet. And for the first time in John's gospel, Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah. And I love her response here, John chapter 4, 28 to 30. So the woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him, right? She went to tell, and the invitation that she had was to everyone else to come and see. Don't take my word for it. Here's my testimony, right? We just sang about our testimony. Here's my testimony that he told me everything that I've ever done. Can this be him? So, So come with me and come and see for yourself. And I love what happened because of this in John chapter 4, 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. We know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. It was her testimony that got them there, but it was the words of Jesus that made them believe in who he was and who he is. Church, we don't have to have all the answers, but the invitation is for us to go and tell others to invite them to come and see for themselves. 
Right? This is what Jesus told his disciples just a few verses later in Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and tell of a resurrected Savior. Go and tell of a God who's changed everything and point back to a Savior who's defeated death once and for all. In Matthew 28, as the women go to tell the disciples, there's one more invitation that we might be a little too quick to miss if we're not careful. And we can't miss this because it's what keeps us grounded. It's what keeps us rooted in the faith, what keeps us connected to Jesus as we go and tell. As the women were going in in Matthew 28, 9 and 10, it says, And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. You notice how Jesus didn't tell them anything new? He didn't say, hey, the angel told you this. I'm going to tell you to do it a little bit of a different way. He, he tells them exactly what the angels told them. Exactly the thing that they are on their way to do. So why did Jesus interrupt their journey? Why did he interrupt what they were going to do to tell them to go do what they were going to do? And we have to be very careful here. I don't want to speculate about what Scripture doesn't actually tell us. But I think that there's an important piece here where the women stop and they worship him. And it keeps them grounded and rooted in the purpose of their going and telling is Jesus. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can get distracted as we go and tell Maybe we start going and telling because of drawing a crowd and we want to continue to draw a crowd. Maybe we go and tell and, and eventually Jesus becomes just a prop that we use to, to promote an agenda. Maybe we start going to church and church becomes something that we do and we go to because we feel like we're supposed to, but it's not really about Jesus anymore. And so we have to be careful to make sure that we stop and we worship to keep it focused on the Savior who's come back from the dead and defeated death once and for all. Worship looks like a whole lot of different things. It's not just what we do on Sunday morning. It is so much more than that. But this, this is a wonderful time of worship. This is a wonderful time of worship where, where we gather as one and lift up our voices to the throne and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together as one. And it is beautiful and amazing, but worship also happens when we leave this place, when we see a sunrise or a sunset, and we pause to give thanks to a God who's a beautiful artist. Worship happens when we leave this place and we have a holy moment with our kids or our grandkids or a niece or a nephew and we, for a moment, see God in a clear, new, fresh way and we praise him. Worship happens when we're sitting at lunch later today waiting on a, a waiter or waitress to come get our order and we can either choose to be upset it's taking so long or... 
we can praise God that we have time with family and the ability to gather and eat a meal together and food around the table that's coming and, and praise him for being good. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a posture of the heart. You can go to work and you can work or you can work as worship and see what you do is contributing to the kingdom of God and, and making a difference in his kingdom in whatever you do. And so we have these invitations to come and see the resurrected Savior, to, to go and tell others and to stop and, and worship. And so much of this throughout Scripture happens at the table. I mean, just think back for a moment. Think back to what happens here at this table. Of all the times in Scripture that I'd love to be a fly on the wall and overhear a conversation, I think of Jesus inviting himself over for dinner at Zacchaeus' house. I don't know what happened there, but by the end of dinner, Zacchaeus feels so convicted to go give half of what he has to the poor and repay anybody that he's defrauded four times. Right? I don't know what that was like, but Jesus invited him to come and see in this beautiful moment. I remember the time, or I think about the time that Jesus was having a meal around a table and a woman came and started anointing his feet with oil and drying them with her hair. And people told him to send her away and he did not stop her from worshiping him in that moment. I think about all the people that he fed with just a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. Thousands of people. Maybe not around a literal table as they spread out in the field, but it happened around the table with food that he invited them to come and see. There's this invitation all throughout Scripture around a table, around food, to come and see Jesus, to go and tell and to stop and worship I think about that night that Jesus was betrayed, that he was having the Passover meal with his disciples, and he instituted this time of communion where we remember specifically the death of Jesus. You notice that that's, that's what the bread and the cup represent, right? The bread representing his body broken, the cup representing his, his blood poured out on the cross, right? We're when Jesus tells us to remember this moment, we're not remembering his resurrection, we're remembering his death. The pain that he endured on the cross, the beatings he took with the whips, the thorns going into his skull as blood poured down, the pain and the agony that he experienced on the cross. It'd be for nothing if it wasn't the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, then a good man died. A good man gave his life, but we wouldn't be talking about him today. Not every week. And there can be no resurrection without the death of Jesus. It's the resurrection that shows that he's not just a good man, but he is the son of God. And he gave his life not just, not just so that we could come and get together and have a good time for an hour but so we could be in relationship with him so that we can invite others into to come and see for themselves 
so that we can be in relationship with him. And so this morning, I want us to think about that as we take communion together. This morning as we pause, um, we're going to take communion together as a family. Um, so we're gonna, I'm going to pray here in just a couple minutes. And I'm going to give you some time to reflect and to think. And then I'm going to come back and I want to ask that you hold on to the bread and you hold on to the cup. And, and we're going to take it together. If you're joining us online, I want to encourage you just to hold on to whatever you have in this moment to take communion with. And so that we can do it together this is what happened around the Lord's table. That Jesus was with his disciples together as he invited them to be part of what was about to happen. They went with Jesus to the garden. They were there after his resurrection. And Jesus met them and said, go make disciples of all nations. And gave them this command to come and see, to go and tell and invite others to come and see, and to worship along the way. And so we invite you to pause in this moment to think about the death of Jesus that led to the resurrection that leads to our new life. I'm not sure how many times we put two and two together, but Apu, who I mentioned earlier, had new life because someone lost theirs. And in this sweet moment for his family was a bitter moment for another family as they lost a loved one that they cared deeply for. And in a similar way, we have new life because of the death of another life. And his life didn't just save one person, it provides life for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. So I'm gonna pray, if you'd like someone to pray with you, I'm going to be down here at the bottom. Other people may, from our prayer team will be around. And then I'm going to come back after just a couple moments, and we're going to take communion together. Father God, we are so grateful for this moment in history that changed everything. This moment where we remember every week, specifically today, that, that our lives were changed forever. And we say thank you for the invitation to come and see a resurrected Savior, for the invitation to be in relationship with you, the invitation to be a part of the mission that you gave us and, and that you started when you came to go and to make disciples of all nations, and this invitation to worship. So God, we say thank you. And in this moment, we remember the death of your son and his resurrection. And in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.